Welcome to the Behavioral Healthcare Executive Podcast. I'm BHE Senior Editor Tom Valentino, and today I am joined by Dan Gemp, the President and CEO of Dreamscape Marketing. Dan, it was great to see you last month at the Treatment Center Investment and Valuation Retreat in Scottsdale. Uh, great presentation. Certainly got the wheels in my head turning. Uh, glad I got a chance to uh, catch up with you here and uh, hit you with some questions. How are you, sir? I'm doing great and happy new year. Uh, thanks again for having me, Tom. And thank you for a great TCIV conference. We had a lot of fun out in Scottsdale with you guys and uh, we've got a great team. Always, uh, always a good time out there. It's my favorite event we do all year. And it's uh, glad to uh, see that uh, go, go well again this year. But uh, hey, you know, your presentation, you spent a, a good chunk, a good chunk of the time uh, at the beginning part uh, talking about oligopolies and how they're really starting to shape healthcare in some different ways. Who are these companies and uh, how um, is what they're doing going to impact the world of behavioral healthcare executives? Sure, um, and, and my point here, I love using the word oligopoly. I'll say it again, just for fun, oligopoly. Um, but my point here is that huge tech companies and huge unrelated healthcare companies are all entering the mental health space in the behavioral health market um, and it's actually been happening for years. The, the premise of my talk was um, that while the expression is hindsight is 2020, you really need to use data and hindsight in 2020 in your planning because a lot of this stuff we should have seen coming. Um, to that point, these oligopolies and this dystopian corporate future that I was uh, trying to paint the picture of for everyone, it's really about, you know, the fact that uh, if you're wearing an Apple Watch, they can track your heart rate, right? But is that being broadcast back to a data center? Um, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, they're, they're producing electronic health record systems and they're processing data through AI. Um, and it just really feels like a, a highly personal level of knowledge that these huge companies have as they enter healthcare. Um, more specifically, there was actually a, a public report from Best Buy that they have uh, home health monitoring products and they intend to be monitoring 5 million seniors by the year 2025. I thought that was interesting. Um, Walmart now has dental, optical, and counseling clinics in store. So now you can buy groceries, a bathing suit, and talk to your shrink all in the same building. Um, and this has been years in the making, but it's also real. This, it sounds ludicrous, but this has already happened. It's already funded and these places are opening. Um, and then to kind of back that up, there's, again, a series of other companies, CVS, who happens to own Aetna, right? Uh, they're expanding their Minute Clinic, and they're expanding their, their technology behind pharma. Wouldn't it make sense for them to immediately deploy on-location telehealth and potentially medication-assisted treatment? So these companies that have always been technology partners, pharmaceutical partners, useful vendors, are now all of a sudden massively funded behemoth oligopolies, right? Um, and they're controlling our health records, our technology, and our expansion. But they're competing in mental health directly. Even uh, Amazon, J.P. Morgan, Berkshire Hathaway, they're making their own health insurance companies. So people need to stay on top of these trends to realize, like, there is some tactical maneuvering that needs to happen this year and over the next few years to maintain competition with these oligopolies. Um, where do we get started then if we want to start talking tactics to, uh, to these uh, issues and challenges? Sure. So the, 
the simple indicators, things to, to keep an eye out for, I think everybody should be using Google Alerts. You should have settings about anything that has to do with mental health and behavioral health, and you'll get sent those articles. So the way I know all this stuff is coming is I simply read the news. I'm a large consumer of marketing trends about consumers. Um, so if I see large tech companies getting into healthcare and becoming oligopolies, um, that's the easiest way to know something's coming. So then you can look at your media costs. You can look at um, simple things. Google, Google ads, for example, uh, has been inflationary in the space for years. So there was, in 2014, the cost per click for an addiction treatment keyword increased 12%. But then in 2015, it increased an additional 15%. And in 2016, it increased an additional 25%. So it was becoming unsustainable for years. It was becoming cost prohibitive for years. So I would begin monitoring both the news, just you know, mainstream uh, publishing and what's going on with healthcare, and pairing that with your own marketing and media costs. And that's what should raise red flags for you or set off alarm bells for you in terms of hey, I need to take some kind of an action. Um, in terms of strategies and adjusting those actual channels, the key is to track everything. So don't just guess anymore. Stop saying, hey, I hired a marketing guru and they know what to do. Um, it's more about testing multiple channels. You're not going to find a magical unicorn that can just print money for you and drive patients to make medical decisions through some Facebook ad or anything like that. Uh, but what we, you will see is a lot more consumer adoption of technology, a lot more willingness to engage with advertisements on selected platforms. So if somebody is wearing a fitness tracker and their heart rate does go up every time they do some activity, then they are more likely to respond to an ad for medication for that heart rate on that device in that moment. Um, so it's actually good while these Big tech groups are becoming a bit invasive. It's actually going to allow for more comparison shopping, for more real-time, highly accurate ad placement. Um, and the channels I think are going to work, and I'm, I'm not a fortune teller. I'm using hindsight in 2020. So what has been working that I think will scale well through this year, you still need a sales team. You still need some kind of an outreach effort so that people are aware you exist. And a lot of those people need to be alumni, families, uh, professional colleagues, referral partners. So someone needs to be out there educating people that are in positions to refer you patients. Beyond that, if you're looking at media, I would say paid search versus organic SEO is always the great debate in this space. Um, I think there's going to be a few future options. I think that Amazon advertising for, for concierge healthcare and that type of thing is going to become relevant in the space. Um, so the premise here is you're always going to be targeting the same person, but depending which marketing channel you use, there's going to be a different price to, uh, to reach that person. And so on the SEO side, I see advantages, um, since 2018, for example, rich snippets, when you type in a question and you simply see your answer at the top of search results, that has increased more than 40%. So that rich snippet answer will show up 40% more often now than it did even a year ago. And then we've also seen Google's image carousel search results increase 150% since that same time. So if you're publishing photography of your facility, 
or um, even testimonial photos of your alumni living life again and going to fun events and that kind of thing, that will show up in search results advantageously without having to uh, pay media prices for it. Other than that, if you have immediate need and you need to increase your census, you have to do paid search and you'll need to get approved by LegitScript and it will be expensive, um, but it's a good way to target geographically. I highly recommend all paid search efforts be contained to a certain region um, because that plays best with Google's own platform. And realize that while the last few years haven't been amazing on mixed media, which is radio, TV, and display advertising, those technologies have evolved a lot, especially with streaming services being heavily adopted. Um, so that's called OTT. But in general, if you're using radio, TV, and display advertising, just make sure that you have a way of tracking it. So a, a dedicated phone number and make sure that your media placements are through some kind of an ad platform that can track every click, every visit to your website, and every resulting phone call. Um, and then the final piece to evaluate here, I guess, is partnership, true corporate partnership, where behavioral healthcare organizations can go to any type of company and create employee assistance programs. They can create education, um, historical successes, Mothers Against Drunk Driving and, and campaigns like that could be easily delivered on a local level, a corporate level through good partnerships. And there needs to be a lot more of that. There's still a heavy stigma in the space and there's a very low cost to engaging corporate partners, almost like a vendor, as, as though you're an IT company or a marketing agency. You can approach other companies and their HR departments and say, hey, this statistic is impacting your employees right now. They're just not talking about it. Is it okay if we come in and talk about it? And you'll know then that you've got an employed audience that is challenged with certain mental health diagnoses, and they will follow up with you with questions, and that can drive a lot of new business. So in all of these efforts, I'm trying to name the channels that I believe are in play this year. Um, I just think you need to start with that mentality of monitoring your agopolistic competitors, right, in the news, and then trying to keep an eye on what's happening with media prices. And then the tactics that are going to work is, is a much more mixed bag this year than it has been the last year or two, where you could still succeed by just doing a lot of SEO and a lot of paid search. You now need to spread the budget and spread the strategy to adjust these channels and really just to track what's going on. You need a much more accurate data set. What does a smart process look like um, for evaluating whether uh, some type of new marketing channel is going to be the right solution uh, for your business and, and something that would be a good idea for you to get into? What does it look like trying to figure out what questions you need to be asking? And then once you uh, make the decision to move forward in that arena, um, how do you evaluate results and, and whether you need to pull the plug or stick it out for a while and see what happens? Sure. So if, if you have the data and enough to say, hey, I'm going to make a decision to invest in this channel, um, and you want to actually use that data, you want to use your hindsight in 2020, um, you have to choose your audience first. And I have found that that is sorely lacking in this industry. When I ask my clients, who's your target audience, the answer is always, men and women age 18 to 64 that are struggling with primarily heroin, maybe alcohol, and also a mental health diagnosis. Well, that narrows and that's it down. So, 
Oh, yeah. So basically, you know, what, one in six Americans or something. Um, <laughs> to say I want everyone, and particularly I want the wealthier side of that market segment, uh, cash pay is always preferred and out of network is always preferred, but you can't really target that way. Um, and so you need to choose your actual, the, the consumer of your marketing message, and that might be professional colleagues, right, therapists, the uh, UI attorneys, divorce attorneys, anyone where they're at a point of impact, right, for somebody struggling with a disease of addiction, where they could make an active referral. So there's that professional audience, and you're going to need to use more clinical terms and more outcomes data to feed that audience. There's alumni. Well, alumni need continued support, messages of hope, and they need to see peer success. I need to know that that other guy that was in treatment with me is also still doing well. And just married the love of his life and is moving on and onward and upward. Um, so more inspirational messaging to alumni and quite frankly, social messaging, right? Be inclusive, bring people back for alumni events and barbecues and, and build a community. When you're speaking with families. They need support tools, right? This is a lifelong disease. It's not a, a one-time acute, you know, broken ankle and then everything is well again eight weeks later. Um, so families need tools and resources to continuously support their loved one in recovery without crossing lines, without falling back to, um, you know, their old ways that may have been toxic or may have been enabling. So the, the types of content and the messaging you give these audience is what needs to come first. You also need to speak to your own employees in a certain way. They're a huge potential source of referrals for you, uh, but they need to believe in the mission. So you need to communicate not only community and support for them, but a mission that your company is trying to accomplish um, to address them as an audience. So once you've chosen that audience, it's going to minimize your chance of failure. If you're saying the right message to the right audience, then some percentage of that audience will agree with you, digest that message, and, and want to do business with you. And that's true in all marketing, but it, it mitigates your risk. You won't overspend money to get the right message to the right people. Where I have seen this industry go wrong is they send the same message to everybody. And so you're going to be missing the mark a certain percentage of time of the time, and that is going to translate to lost market share. You're spending money to broadcast that communication, but you're sending it to the wrong group, and it has a 0% chance of succeeding. Yeah, and I so, can see how that... I was just going to say, I could see how that could be a fine line to walk because like on the one hand, if you're not speaking the language of your audience, you're going to fall on deaf ears. But on the other hand, you know, obviously I, there's always value in having, you know, brand identity and, and you know, a, you know, strong message and familiarity and, and things like that. And um, is that something that you got to kind of think about both ways there or, or how does that work? Yeah. And I'll, I'll share a personal opinion on that. So I believe that everyone needs to be running their business, whether they intend to make a quick exit or not, they need to run their business as though they're going to still be operating 10 years down the road. And it will make you much more ethical, much more authentic because you need to build a reputation and stay in business. That's going to help you, especially because the primary caller, um, out of all the calls that all of our clients get into space, about 70% of them are mothers specifically mothers calling in. So on your marketing efforts, if you have to talk to all these different audiences, 
but no matter who makes the referral, it's still going to be a concerned mother calling in the majority of the time. You need to have absolute sincerity and absolutely educational resources so that they can make the proper medical decision for their family. Um, and this is the same as all other medical decision-making in America. This is the same as cancer treatment, uh, dental, surgical appointments, anything, uh, diabetes management. So if your message is resonating to the right audience and you look at a long-term plan, a long-term timeline that you'll still be responsible for whatever you send out today, five years from now, 10 years from now, um, you're going to find yourself being a lot more accurate and thinking through this messaging a lot more clearly and then putting yourself on their side of the table. If you're sitting in your living room watching a TV ad or if you're liking a friend's photos on Facebook and you encounter a uh, mental health or substance abuse ad, how would you react to it? Is that how you do your shopping? Uh, if someone spent money to serve that ad to you, would it work on you? So choosing those channels, I think you have to realize the, the prevailing trend is still towards a female head of household decision maker. Um, there is large-scale adoption with these new streaming media platforms. And mobile is first, right? So when it comes to digital and your, your online strategies, you've got to be targeting smartphones before you target anything else. But the beauty of that is whoever sees that ad is literally holding a phone. And if you can activate their their brain to think of that as a lifeline, they can be speaking to an expert on how to get help in seconds. And a lot of these ad platforms have one-click calling, one-touch calling. So I'm saying to, to embrace the technology and use it as it is you know, meant to be used, but you have to hit the right audience first, look at a much longer-term plan to choose your strategy, and realize that in these multiple audiences, it will often be the same demographic calling in. Um, so you need to have consistent messaging on the admission side of the table as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, as we kind of wind down here, any other um, common mistakes that you have observed marketers in the behavioral healthcare space making recently or uh, outdated modes of thinking, anything else um, to kind of put a red flag on, uh, you know, uh, course correcting in, in 2020, um, any old tactics out with the old and, and in with the new, uh, what are you thinking as we uh, turn the calendar? I will say this. Um, a lot of the question mark tactics that may have worked temporarily are no longer even an option. I'll, I'll clarify that. Buying phone calls is no longer a viable way to scale your business. There are not uh, properly licensed lead gen websites that generate their own phone calls. Um, so I get, I'll say one in 20 inquiries that speaks with Dreamscape. They all ask where they can go to buy calls. And for about three or four years, there were late night TV ads and they would generate random people calling in with mental health crises. Uh, and they would be sold round robin at, at a cost per call. Uh, and that was through a series of state legislation uh, improvements, essentially deemed patient brokering. And so it's really no longer a business model. You have to do your own marketing now. Um, the concept of a contract marketer, so a part-time outreach rep who sends you admissions at a fixed cost, that is patient brokering and that is being prosecuted. And the executive of a treatment center can no longer claim ignorance. They're actually prosecuting under RICO statutes, which is how they took down the mob. Um, 
So patient brokering is not an option. Third-party, I'll say uh, consulting placements is not an option. Buying phone calls, buying leads is not an option. And so I would simply say, go back to your roots and do your own marketing. But the beauty of it is this. It's way less expensive and way more efficient to do that because all of these media groups that were selling these things and all of these consultants that were selling these things, they were simply running media campaigns themselves and charging you a markup. So you might need to invest in a marketing director. You might need to invest in some kind of a production agency or, or even a consultant on the strategic side. Um, but I think actually going back to basic marketing 101 and media 101 kind of methods is really where this industry is going to find itself being cost effective. There's no shortcut. There's no silver bullet. There's no compulsive decision you can make that's going to be sustainable. But in the near term, you can invest a little bit more time in Google My Business and get a lot of value out of it. A little more time in your mobile experience and get a lot of more value out of it. Um, and, and build some community on social and build credibility in the market. Good stuff, man. Uh, Dan, thank you so much. This has been awesome. I really appreciate it. No, thank you very much, Tom. I appreciate it and uh, hope to see you at the next one. All right. Uh, that is Dan Gemp, the president and CEO of Dreamscape Marketing. Uh, big thanks to him once again for joining us today on the BHE podcast. I want to let you know as you're listening here that we are now available on Apple Podcasts as well. So we encourage you to uh, go hit that uh, purple uh, podcasts app on your iPhone and uh, search for the uh, Behavioral Healthcare Executive Podcast and uh, hit that subscribe button and uh, maybe even leave us a review if you like it. And uh, that is going to do it for us for this week. I am Tom Valentino, and this has been the Behavioral Healthcare Executive Podcast.